Celtics had their backs against the wall and was looking to make some headway in the Eastern Conference Finals. Instead, it was this Heat team that just refuses to quit regardless of the doubts or the projections or history not being in their favor. The Heat smelled blood in the water early on, and the Celtics, again, simply didn't know how to swim. Miami blows out Boston, crushing their spirits and taking a 3-0 lead and are one more win away from another berth in the NBA Finals. We break it all down on today's playoff edition of Locked on Heat. You are locked on Heat. Your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Camille. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube or your podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. We are recording this after the Heat beat the Celtics 128 to 102. And this one felt like the Heat sensing an opportunity to stump, stomp out whatever remaining hopes that the Celtics had and bury them under a 3-0 series lead. And that's exactly what they did tonight. A collective effort, six guys in double figures. They led by as many as 33 points. Fourth quarter was the white towel being waved. Nothing but garbage time. This, uh, to me, David, was the difference between the Heat and the Celtics. Uh, the Heat have the urgency. They have the focus. They smell blood in the water. They punched the Celtics in the mouth, and the Celtics folded. And I thought we'd see more fight from Boston. Oh, yeah. uh, and we didn't really see that. The Heat did not let up. Um, and more than X's and O's or adjustments. And we can talk about that stuff, and we will talk about that stuff. But what, to me, sticks out uh, the most in this game is that state of mind that the Miami Heat had, that urgency, uh, and, and then the Celtics just being like, soft. They were just simply soft, and they folded under the pressure pretty early in this one. It's unbelievable to think about how Miami has continued to progress over the course of the season and, and to show their continued belief in themselves. If there was one common theme from the post-game press conference is how – much they spoke about the doubters, but internally within the locker room from each other, knowing the work they put in, the belief from Eric Spolstra trickling down to each and every player, knowing that they'd get their opportunity at some point and that once they did, they'd be able to step up and produce at a high level, never doubting themselves, even if everybody else did. And it's just manifesting with every game. And you're right about Boston. They were there and, and, down 15 at the half, and Marcus Smart scores, gets an and one foul call in his favor, cuts the lead down to 12. Miami responds, and not only do they continue to respond, but they pile on and add three-point shot after three-point shot. By the end of the third quarter, they're up 30. That sense of urgency manifesting in that one quarter where Boston's spirits were just absolutely broken. They couldn't seem to match Miami's level of energy at any point, they tried, they gave their effort, whatever effort they could have, and it was just falling short on every occasion. Yeah. And the Heat just sensing an opportunity here. It's such a, a great way of phrasing it. They just refuse to, to just, I don't I don't even know how to explain it. They're well, just, they've, they've been in this position already twice in these playoffs with an opportunity to end the series early before a game seven, and that's what they've done every single time, beating a, a higher seed in Milwaukee Bucks, the number one seed in them, and the higher seed in New York Knicks, both teams with home court advantage, just like they, like just like just the Celtics had. And they go into Boston, they go up 2-0. Um, I think 
everybody was pretty surprised that they were up 2-0. You know, you and I both picked the Heat in the series, but to be up 3-0 right now uh, is it's just it's unbelievable. And it's an, an amazing story. I, I do want to talk about the turnaround of the Heat season. And a lot of players and Eric Spolster were asked about that in the press conference after tonight's game. But um, in terms of just the effort level, right, like just pure execution stuff. I mean, this is why the Heat have gotten to this point in the playoffs is they have a game plan. They execute that game plan, right? They just understand the assignment going into all these games. They know where it is that they that they want to poke uh, their opponent's defense, and they poke and they prod, and they get to the spots that they want to get to. They've got just plan after plan. I think about Jimmy Butler, for instance. Uh, the, the Celtics come out in this game. They, they scratch the double big lineup. Derek White back in that starting unit. They go small, and I actually kind of – Thought they played with some verve. They played with some juice early in that game. They were switching better and more effectively. They were kind of getting into more of those shots. I thought their shot diet was much better than Miami's yeah. for like the first eight or nine minutes of this game. That's true. And then uh, and and you thought that maybe it would work, but the Heat just kind of kept at it. They kept at it. They kept at it. They started getting to the shots that they wanted to get to. Um, the Celtics obviously went back to a double big lineup in different pockets of the game, and Miami had ways to exploit that. The, the Celtics come back out in the second half, go back to Derek White in that starting lineup, as, as was expected. And then you've got Jimmy Butler just going, like, okay, you guys are going to stick with this? Cool. And he, just, he gets Derek White in the switch over and over and over again. And it forces Joe Mazzula to call a timeout, take Derek White out of the game, puts Robert Williams back in. And what do they do? They start attacking Robert Williams in that drop coverage. It's just they have their plans for everything. Yeah. They are so well coached. They are so well prepared. And they're just not letting up. They're still closing out on those three. I think being up 30 points. And they're still closing out hard. They were still like, you know, not as hard, but like better than where the Celtics they were. They could afford to take their foot off the gas. And yeah, absolutely. They weren't doing it at and, any point. I mean, and again, it's that they have 15 point lead at the half. And you think to yourself, hey, we could be comfortable. Where's this, hey, wait, but where's the Celtics run going to come? It's got to come some. At some point. It just didn't. They, they were broken. After the game, I was sitting in one of the, the third quarter. Yeah, the, the Celtics. Uh, Post-game press conference where Joe Mazzola is saying, I just didn't have my team prepared. It's on me. This is my job to get them ready to play. Celtics players talking afterwards saying that you know, the Heat are a much better team. They're just more aware of the, the, the what's at stake here. We're not playing with a kind of effort and intensity. They seem absolutely broken. You can go listen to Locked on Celtics about that. But as far as Miami, what they've done well. But they, they, they look, a lot of the conversation is going to be the Celtics – bleep the bet that the Celtics gave up, that they quit, and that they are a failure and a disappointment. And all those things are true. But what needs to be factored into that formula yeah. is the other team that's on the court with them. And I think the Heat have done that to the to the Celtics. And this is not new. This isn't new stuff. This is what kind of shook them in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yeah. And I do think that the Miami Heat have a way of just sort of getting in their head. Like, the Heat are they, – they, they follow Jimmy Butler's lead. And Jimmy Butler is going to – let the emotions come out when he wants them to come out. He's going to play hard. He's always going to be the hardest. He, his, he always says his strongest ability as a basketball player is how hard he plays. None of the other stuff that he does well. That's what he always points to. Where the Celtics, I kind of felt like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown disappeared in this game. And it feels like the Celtics follow their star's lead. And that's like you could just start at the top of these rosters and say, okay, the Boston Celtics are the deeper team. And they are. Like I think they are the deeper team. They were the better team in the regular season. They had 13 more wins in the regular season than the Heat did. But in these moments, Jimmy Butler just tends to step up. And Jason Tatum, in these playoffs, at least was awesome in the playoffs last year, Tatum was. In these playoffs, he has tended to wilt when they've needed him outside of that 151-point game and uh, against the Seven. Yeah. And then, my, like to me, my lasting image of this game is Jalen Brown just losing Duncan Robinson on several uh, uh, three-pointers yeah. in the third quarter and yeah. back cuts and all these things just for, like, 
So, like, Duncan Robinson, they, these teams have played each other now three times out of the last four years in the Eastern Conference Finals. Duncan Robinson has been a part of all of those matchups. And you would think, and so has Jalen Brown, and you would think that he would know the scouting report on Duncan Robinson, and he just clearly either doesn't know this report or does not care about the scouting report and is ignoring him on an Eastern Conference final stage. And that's just not the kind of thing that you're seeing from the Miami Heat. They were the team that were playing like they were down to nothing. In this in this game, yeah, certainly the sense of urgency, the intensity is there, but it also looks like they've just evolved. They've continued to grow. Bam and Bio, I think, taking a leap in this series as well, being much more aggressive at points there, not just being aggressive, but looking to <laughs> just kill whatever Celtics player was on him. He had that fantastic spoon move on Brown that sent Brown yeah. falling to the floor. Uh, had a soul-crushing dunk early on on a lob from Duncan Robinson, who was playing point guard today with four assists. He was amazing. In his, you know, uh, short Driving and kicking? Yeah, he was really, really effective. Okay, we'll get to this in the next segment when we talk about the, the players that stood But out. it's a bigger point, too. Like, yeah, it, they've it, evolved. This... They've grown. They've changed. They took the hard lessons from last year's loss and said, you know what? We're not going to be content to just getting to seven games in the series. We're going to be better than we were. They Not only have they matched whatever energy Boston could have at any point throughout the game, but they've surpassed it. They've responded at every opportunity. And now they're three games to none in the Eastern Conference Finals. A game 48 minutes away, basically, from entering the Eastern, uh, the, sorry, the NBA Finals. Yeah, yeah. 149 to zero. That's the record across NBA history for teams with a 3 0 lead. So it looks like Miami clearly going to the NBA Finals at this point in time. Uh, it's a commanding lead. I mean, it's it, when you are up 3 you, add, you yeah, go to the NBA Finals. Especially when you add what Boston is going through on their end. And, and, and I like that your point here, because it's not just that Boston's played bad. It's that Miami has taken advantage and made them look bad in the process. They've been the better team. The They've Heat's big the thing coach. is we're not going to beat ourselves. That's the Miami that, – that's how they've gotten this far. You know, the, the, the three-point shooting was a big reason why they won this game, 54% from three. I mean, that's that's an enormous thing, 26% for Boston. But like I said, Boston was just sort of giving up – like they were, they were getting the you shots that they wanted, Miami wanted. And Boston wasn't really getting the shots they wanted either. So it's not just make or miss. A lot of that are the kinds of shots that both these teams were getting. But I also like that the Heat have embraced the fact that the Celtics knocked them off last year. They, oh, yeah. they, they let their emotions – And they're, they're – yeah, they're taking it personally and they're using their emotions to their advantage. Where Boston just kind of feels like they're too cool for school right now. They're like, yeah, you know, we, we've already been to the NBA Finals. And no, I think when you're at this point, you need to channel that stuff and use that stuff. And right now the Heat are. And I, I just – I really can't make heads or tails of what it is that – is motivating the Boston Celtics right now. It doesn't oh, really seem like much. No, I, don't, I don't think they're the heat, when it, they, the heat had an opportunity. They smell blood in the water to crush Boston's hopes. And my takeaway from this game is that they did that tonight. They crushed Boston's hopes, like you said, 149 to nothing with a 3-0 series lead. Um, we are going to hand out some credit cookies. We haven't even talked nearly enough about Gabe Vincent. We're going to do that in the next segment. First day with all the listeners by our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. And their million-dollar daily Superflex promotion that goes through the NBA playoffs and the finals. One prize pick user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry has to be placed after 8 a.m. Eastern on a randomly and will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks can get you a million dollars. Five correct picks can get you 80 grand. Four correct picks will get you 16 grand. So you can find full details over at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at that link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. But once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be a lucky winner. And play the game has never been easier. If you like playing daily fantasy sports, 
and prize picks is for you. You just take two to six players. If they score more or less than their prize picks projections, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. It's no competing against other people, just you versus the projections. And you can do it in any sport versus whereas, you know, the NBA, the Major League Baseball, men's and women's college sports, European sports, wherever you go into, prize picks has you covered. So download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users get a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. So don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 by downloading the PricePix app or going to pricepix.com today. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Every day, or as we're going to be back tomorrow with Sports Illustrated's Rowan Carney to talk about the Heat's turnaround uh, this season. Excited for that, but more excited right now, David, to get into the kitchen, whip up some credit cookies. What kind of cookies? We're going to give out tonight. we got 10 of them. Apparently, the Miami Heat were giving out heat, uh, white hot heat playoff cookies that were like Oreo cookies. They were doing that today? Apparently. Uh, not to, not to, not How did I miss that? Maybe to their elite guests or something like that. Maybe not to I didn't get any. Yeah, I know. Well, we're only media, so we don't really care. I thought we were pretty elite. I, 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 we're special. We have a part in the team's heart, but not, unfortunately, when it comes to giving out cookies. But that's okay because we're giving out the cookies here. And we're going to start off, as you mentioned it before, yeah. Gabe Vincent. Even consistent contributions, five points in the first quarter, five points in the second, eight in that big third quarter to help Miami push their lead to 30. Finished the night with 29, a career high, a career playoff high or career high in general. I'm not sure exactly. I think it was a career playoff high. But either way, a fantastic game from game, uh, Gabe. Just aggressive, looking for a shot, finding seams, continuing to do everything he needed to. Just Again, with Boston playing so lackluster and not necessarily guarding him, and with so much attention on Jimmy Butler commanding sec- double teams, triple teams, finding Gabe open and aggressive, attacking, whether it was Derek White or Robert Williams or whoever was in that lineup, Gabe was aggressive and it showed and had 29 point outing. Um, that off the dribble stuff that he's got going on right now, I asked Derek Spolster about it after the game. I mean, yeah. he was hitting step backs in this one. He's coming off these screens, attacking drop coverage, whether it's yeah. Robert Williams or Al Bor for dropping, and he's just he's got such a quick trigger on it and he's got so much confidence with it, right? Like again, just the heat knowing what it is that they want to do. They know and Gabe does. Hey, if I'm going to come off this Bam Adebayo screen or this Cody Zeller screen, whoever it is, and the big against me is dropping and I've got space and I'm feeling good, I'm going to pull up and I'm going to fire this thing. Um, and, and it gets him into these other spots. And I think about that, that shot that he made at the end of game two, where he snakes the pick and roll and just takes that 19-footer, the the, the Schutzpa spot, the, the uh, yeah. shot with that. I mean, and we saw another one today where, with the, with that step back against yep. uh, Boston's defense. Like he kind of gets those in rhythm things, and then he picks up and gains steam and gains that confidence, and then he's getting to those other spots. And you know, it, it's been a story for a while, and I don't know that we've talked about it lately. But Gabe Vincent, when he first came to the Miami organization, we came as a two guard. He came as a yep. scoring guard. It's what he did in college. It's what he, it's what he was in Stockton in the G League, and the, he picked them up, and they kind of started to nudge him more into being a point guard because that's what they needed, and they thought that he had real point guard skills, and we've seen some of that with Gabe Vincent for sure, and and he's a much more well-rounded player now than it is when he first came to this organization. Of course. But now that he's kind of gotten that point guard stuff, it's allowed that, that, that scoring guard stuff to flourish a little bit more, especially as Kyle Lowry has kind of taken on a different kind of role, and they've elevated him. And then especially, especially, when Tyler Hero goes down in the first game of the playoffs against the Milwaukee Bucks, and they need somebody right. to kind of create off the dribble, off the bounce in that same way. That's not Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, because you know that you're going to get that from them. But with Hero out, 
And 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 this is Spoh's point. Like when he went down, they needed to find somebody. And Duncan Robinson's done some some improvement on there. Max Schuess has made some improvement with the off the bounce stuff, but none of them are Gabe Vincent yeah. with the ball in their hands, with the dribble, with their control, and with their ability to just pull up uh, in a blink. Uh, they they Duncan Robinson can catch and shoot in a blink, but Gabe is just a little bit different. He can just get his own shot, and he's been doing such a great job. And he led the team with 29 points tonight. It was more than what Bam had, more than what Jimmy had, more than Duncan Robinson's 22 off the bench. So we can give him four cookies. I was going to say three, but we can do four. I'm fine with it. I, I, think, um, it's, I think it's important because, I, again, it, it was just crucial moments throughout the game to help Miami either build a lead or establish a lead. And especially in that third quarter when Miami broke it open from 15 points at halftime, down to, uh, up 12 uh, after that Marcus Smart and one. And then he continues to hit a shot after shot. He gets that big layup there, drives the lane, hitting three-pointers, doing everything. And again, speaking to what I had said before about Eric Spolstra empowering his players, the very stark difference between what we're seeing from the Celtics lineup where they seem lost. They don't seem to appreciate the moment. Uh, they don't understand what's at stake. And I know a lot of Celtics fans have said, well, this is who this team has been all season. And yet you would expect them to – change that approach when it comes to something like this when you're down two games to none and you know they have a better record on the road throughout the playoffs you expect them to be able to turn it up a notch it's not it's not the star players it's Gabe Vincent doing it now and establishing himself as a quality scorer and player in the NBA huge night for Gabe I want to give a couple of cookies to Duncan Robinson 22 points in 22 minutes four assists like you talked about earlier but he went five of seven from three point range. That was Rude huge. Gabe also had his uh, was six of nine from three point range. I wanted to mention that. But um, Duncan Robinson just mixing it up, putting the ball on the floor, finding Bam for lobs. Yep. Um, he has not been abused defensively yep. in this series the way that you would think maybe somebody like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown would try to abuse Duncan yep. Robinson. He they, they have not been predatorial. Duncan Robinson has done a good job of staying out of, and the Heat have done a good job of keeping them out of those situations. Anyway, it's not like he's just standing there waiting. For, for Jason Tatum to attack them. So they're kicking him out of those switches early and all those kinds of things. But when he's making these shots, uh, it is so huge. And there was that big run, uh, what was it, in the second quarter? Yeah, the second quarter. Uh, driving uh, driving layup at the basket. Yep. Um, fa- uh, found Bam for that lob. Found Caleb Martin on a drive and kick for a three-pointer. And then had his own three-pointer off of Bam out of bio on a break. And next thing you knew, the Heat were up 51-33 to 33 midway through that second quarter. And that was Pretty much the end of the game. I remember talking about uh, before the series. I, I thought Duncan Robinson would, would be an X factor, and I, it's pretty clear that he has been. But even earlier in the season, you and I talked about if Duncan Robinson could be salvaged at this point because his confidence seems so broken. I remember national media, uh, Tim Legler from ESPN, talking about the fact that Duncan looked like he was broken; he couldn't get into a rhythm. Well, he's found it somehow, some way over the course of the playoffs, and maybe it was just a constant belief again from the team and, and his teammates. But he seems to be much more comfortable. Today, watching him play was reminiscent of when he was setting historical marks for three-point shooting a couple of seasons ago. Before his contract, before the pressure that came with it, he felt so comfortable. They went back to that Bam Duncan pick and roll that was so big and for them in the And vice versa. Yeah. The, the connection between the two game. of them, the synergy is incredible. Yeah. like it's, it's reached another level even from what it was a couple of seasons ago. Just playing off of one another. Just dunking the Bam, on the floor. Yeah. yeah. Bam, but he, making cuts on Derek White, all NBA defender Derek White. Getting back cut to death there by Duncan Robinson and Bam finding him with a perfect pocket. And it goes back to what we were saying before. It's one thing if Jimmy's doing it to you. It's another thing if, you know, those guys, him, Jimmy, Bam, those guys are doing it. But when Duncan Robinson's back cutting you and making five three-pointers and you got Gabe pulling up and looking like Houston Rockets, James Harden with these step backs and stuff like that, like 
if you're the Celtics, of course you're. you're it has to be demoralizing. It's demoralizing, and you're, Derek White. Derek White has been an awesome defender all year long. He has been an awesome defender for a very long time. He's not a guy that lets those backups happen. That's not a thing that Derek White does, and yet you see that. And the Celtics defense was one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah. They don't do this, right? Well, Jimmy's targeting White specifically. Like, yes. this, this is I'm interesting. Sure. Getting him yeah. in the pick and roll and just looking for that mismatch. <laughs> it shouldn't be a mismatch when you think about how good White's been all season long. But Jimmy's just dominating, using the size advantage yeah. to, you know, to his benefit, getting into his spots. again, And then forcing Joe Mazzulla to put Grant Williams in and then doing the same thing. And then Bam out of Ohio skying over Grant Williams on like two, the two possessions later. They have no it, answers it, for what Miami can do. Not, not in these first three games, that's for sure. Um, all right, so we did two to Duncan, four to Gabe. Uh, I think we've got to hit Caleb Martin, 18 points off the bench. Um, and I say off the bench, and I'll, and I'll put quotations for people on YouTube. Um, Kevin Love, he was lost to an ankle injury with about three minutes in. I think maybe even a minute into the game, it seems like two minutes in, he waved uh, at the bench saying, I need to come out. And then it took like another couple minutes for him to get to, to right. come out. So eventually he comes out of the game. Plays five He's lost it. He was uh, diagnosed by the ID doctor apparently with a sprained left ankle, and his status was kind of up in the air. Maybe he could have come back and returned to the bench at some point. Who knows? He wasn't needed. So uh, ultimately, it's just better. Yeah, for him well, to no, get he practice tomorrow. We should get an update on Kevin Love's situation. That's a big deal. If Kevin Love, uh, if this ankle thing is, is worse than than what what we think even right now. But uh, Caleb Martin had to start that second half, and he was awesome. Yeah. Uh, 18 points. Uh, for him on 11 shots, four assists, three rebounds. He had a steal. Uh, I think we can give a cookie to him for, for stepping up uh, and doing all those Caleb Martin yeah, things. Yeah, also doing some off-the-dribble stuff, right? And I think that's really important, especially in transition. Make Great defense, happen. yeah. Um, um, and then anybody – what do we have? Like two more cookies left? Four? That's, that's seven, yeah. That's three more? Yeah, three more. All right, Jimmy and Bam each get one. Yeah. And then I think that's good. Two to Jimmy, two to Bam. Who gets one? Who, Definitely one each. And then, put another kill. He gets another. All right. Um, all right. We're going to take your listener questions after the break here. Specifically, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, they're free agents this summer. How much money have they made for themselves uh, in this postseason run? That's coming up next here on Locked on Heat. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Every day is we're going to be back tomorrow with Sports Illustrated's Rowan Connie to talk about the Heat's turnaround this season. Um, all right. You can reach Locked on Heat, Twitter, Instagram, email us, LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions for the post-game show using the hashtag AskLOHeat. This one comes from Shaysh, who writes in, Have Max Drews and Gabe Vincent shown enough that the Heat need to retain them? And will that be possible at the salaries that they're going to command? So right now, David, kind of impossible when you consider the second luxury tax apron that's going to be put into effect here. Um, they, they do have the ability to pay them if they want to pay them. Um, but it feels like it would have to be at the expense of maybe some other cost-cutting maneuvers. But in general, I think the, this postseason, specifically Gabe Vincent, has made himself a lot of money. I think you make a case for either of them. You're right. Sure. I want, I mean, I, we're playing off of the Vincent, I mean, maybe prisoner of the moments, but he's had a huge game, monster. Um, great the entire playoffs. Yeah. Uh, well, he struggled a little bit. Because he was picking up Jalen Brunson, he wasn't doing the same. No, I thought he struggled offensively, but I think people like basketball people who make these decisions watch that and the fact that he picked up 48 feet. And and look, I don't, I hate to say he bothered Jalen Brunson because he was scoring like 40 points a game towards the end of that series. But I think you see that and you're like, yeah, that guy's got the it. That that's the kind of guy I want. I, I, I will say I find uh, a lot of joy in seeing Knicks fans, Bucks fans, and other teams around the league saying, hey, is, "Is Vincent the guy for us? Could he be the one?" To, 
to yeah. turn things around for X team because again, he was being so widely disregarded in every series throughout the season. We've talked about it a number of times. A number of you fans, you know, who, who maybe have short attention spans or short memories, perhaps uh, realizing or you know criticizing Gabe for being an undrafted player, and that's been a theme. And I like what Eric Spolster said after Game Two win. You know that it is disrespectful to continue to refer to guys like Max Duncan, et cetera, as just undrafted players. They've made the most of these opportunities. And so at this point in time, I think we should all try to focus about that. These are good, legitimate offseason questions that we will have to entertain. But for now, we should just kind of focus on the fact that they're playing at a high level. The undrafted thing doesn't matter. You look at that. But it's a motive, but it is a motivating thing. And I think for that sure. gets to, guys want to get paid. I mean, yeah. We're not and, gonna, and, and I think that matters. And I am happy to see Max Schroes and Gabe Vincent and these guys play this well, especially after look, it was a bad regular season. It was a bad regular season. They like they would if the regular season, if the Heat lost to the Bulls in that playing tournament, like that that would have cost everybody would be blowing things up, you know. And they would and, and they should be. Right, they should have been uh, because that team didn't even make the playoffs. But this team now is a win away from making the NBA Finals. Max Struess, Gabe Vincent—they're a very big part of that. The last heel writes in: Is anybody talking about the fact that this could be the second coach we get fired just in these playoffs? Mike Boonholzer obviously let go by the Milwaukee Bucks after losing to the Heat in the first round. I think this is an interesting conversation because Joe Mazzulla, and I know I'm not the only person saying this, and a lot of Celtics fans are saying this. I would be very upset if I were a Celtics fan. Based on how this, I, I thought I I came into the series, series saying the biggest matchup difference when you take all the matchups into account is the head coach. What Eric Spolstra Eric Spolstra is in his bag peak like 2016 LeBron James right now in the postseason like there's nothing you can do to stop him right and Joe Mazzulla's a rookie head coach he's never played he's never had to be a head coach in a conference finals and it's just it's clear that Spo is coaching circles around him I don't know that Joe Mazzulla could be blamed so much for that because it's sort of like a rookie player getting like just punked by peak LeBron James, like I just said, but um, I don't know that he's the right coach for this team. And I think it, that much has been very clear in these first three games. Well, the, the players have supported Missoula, at least publicly. publicly yeah. And so who knows what's going on again? Uh, some Boston reporters uh, indicating that there might be deeper issues within that locker room. And then certainly those things get magnified and exposed to a great degree when you're losing, especially losing in such demoralizing fashion, a, a huge blowout in game three in a must-win situation. You're going to be tense. I mean, you're you're a professional. You take pride in what you do. And the Heat are embarrassing them. Miami has broken. The Grant Williams thing in game two. The Al Horford thing. When Al Horford called that timeout during that Celtics run, and then obviously the, the Celtics were outscored as soon as um, Al Horford called that fake timeout in game two. Jimmy Butler turning around tonight and doing the fake timeout back to Boston's bench. Yeah. Um, it is, it's funny. It's hilarious. I love the pettiness. Um, as Bam told me recently for a story I wrote, stay petty so you don't got to get petty. Right. And that seems to be Miami's MO right now. But if you're the Celtics and you're getting punked like that, that does get into your head. That does call, cause, I think, some, some fissures in, in the locker room and things like that. Like, that stuff really matters, and the Heat are just—they're—they're they're, they're rolling with confidence right now. There, there is some youth and inexperience there, and I don't yeah. think the veterans of this team, whether it's Smart or Horford or others, are just—they don't have the same kind of uh, power in the locker room. And 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 I think it does come from a rookie head coach that we, we heard tonight, in particular, and we've heard it all season long. The, the kind of belief uh, everybody in the Heat locker room has is such a stark contrast to the lack of it in in the Boston locker room. And, and you know, Mazzola's not empowering his players. They're faltering. 
he could turn things around, but at this point, it just seems like it might be too little, too late. I don't know that he has any kind of, I mean, what's he going to tell them between game three and four? You've got 48 hours, basically, to reignite the two Js. I don't know if you can do it. And, and look, they're faltering. So there's blame on Mozilla's part. I'm sure he accepts a lot of it. He certainly did in his postgame presser. But the players themselves have struggled. They have not yeah. done enough. They're wide open shots, and they're just not falling. They just don't see. And moreover, I think, it's the lack of effort. So that's not on the coach. I was I was talking with a national reporter in the Heat locker room, and he just asked me point blank, what happened to Jason Tatum in this game? And it feels like that's been asked about Jason Tatum a lot of times in these playoffs, and you don't really ask that about Jimmy Butler. You just don't. Like Jimmy Butler's just been clearly the better player in, in this postseason and certainly in this uh, in this series. Um, where Can did I that... add one thing here? Like, yeah, sure. We're talking about Jimmy Butler, and, and, and you look at the last four-year span, NBA Finals in his first year with Miami in the Orlando bubble. Then, of course, the, the shortened season, COVID, the pandemic, the, the constant testing, the little turnaround time between the, the postseason and, and the start yeah. of the next season, and they get swept by the Bucks. Eastern Conference Finals Game 7 last year, one game away from entering the NBA Finals. I mean, in historical context, not just of the Heat, I mean, it's, it's shorter going and winning championships over – this is almost as close to a, a – not a dynasty necessarily, but it has been very – very successful four-year span for Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. I think we should all take notice of that. I want to get this question from somebody watching us live on YouTube. Do you think the Celtics are going to go back to their double big lineup for game four? How do they slow down Miami's track meets? Um, I, I don't, don't see it. I don't think they're going back. I actually thought what was interesting in this game, I actually thought it was an okay move by Joe Mazzulla, but it kind of it just, again, like 20% from three. I mean, what are you going to do? But I thought it was interesting that, and, and Kevin Love wasn't a part of the rest of the game after the first five minutes. We didn't really get to see it, but by going back to the double, or going back to your small ball lineup, and then kind of toggling between that and the double big lineup, because midway through the first quarter they went with Al Horford and Marble Williams again. Right. Um, I thought that that was interesting because it kind of was countering Miami's rotation pattern, where they start big and then go small, right? So that would be Boston being small when Miami's big, and Boston being big to try to punish Miami for going small. Right. And that was obviously the plan for Joe Missoula. We never really got to see it because Kevin Love didn't play there, and then he basically stayed small for the rest of the game. But um, Caleb Martin playing 35 minutes tonight was huge, um, uh, mostly at that four spot. So, but it, again, it just felt like a superficial kind of change for Joe Missoula. It's such an easy, like everybody knows well, that you can sense. call timeouts at better times and, and change up your starting lineup. But like the other in-between stuff, the stuff that real, like, other basketball heads, coaches really understand. That's the, the more nuanced stuff that I think is, is the reason why the Heat are up in this series more than the Boston Celtics. He, he talked about wanting to generate a lot more scoring uh, early in the possession, trying to generate more three-point opportunities. They've gotten So I, I guess you could technically say it's worked in terms of they're getting what they want. They're just not knocking it down. They just don't seem to care. I mean, a lot – of credit to Miami and their closeouts and everything else, and they're doing a great job rebounding, boxing out, limiting transition opportunities. But as far as my uh, Boston's three-point shooting, it's certainly there. I mean, 11 of 42, they've gotten a fair number of attempts. A lot of those late in the fourth quarter also when they rolled out the towel, as you had said, and, and they kind of just went with a, a yeah. all-bench lineup. But still, I, I think they're getting those opportunities. So I, I just don't know, you know, is it as simple as make or miss league? Sometimes it seems that way because right now, again, boss of the deeper team, right, the more talented team, all this, and now they're on the precipice of getting swept outside of the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, we've seen this with the Heat during the regular season too, right? It's 
when things aren't going your way, the three pointers tend not to fall. And it's a little bit of like a, a, a chasing your own tail kind of thing where, and, and you're pressing and those threes aren't going in. And for whatever reason, the heat, the fresh start of the playoffs, a couple of good games to start that Milwaukee series. And then this team's confidence just skyrocketed because it wasn't there during the regular season. They weren't doing this, obviously. It kind of gets to our next question from Alex. Do you think that the Heat's three-point shooting is the biggest factor that is helping them win all these games? Or are there other bigger factors that are helping them win? And when you look at the shot quality, when you look at all the, the real analytics, you go to Synergy, Second Spectrum, whatever it is, it is your flavor. And you look at the shot quality in the regular season versus the playoffs, David, it's the same. It's the same shot quality. The shots are just going in right now. Um, and I and I think that is the biggest factor. But again, it kind of speaks to everything. Right. More confident. Three point shooting is such a mental thing. Like you can only you could take as many threes as you want. You're practicing yeah. work. Yeah. Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin. All these guys. Season low uh, uh, lows based on right. where they were last year during right. the regular season. Everybody now all worse. of them shooting better than no, they did exactly. in the regular season. It's and it is I think very much a mental thing. And uh, I think part of that comes from the fact that they're obviously winning these games. Um, but I think a lot of it, you just it, it starts to me with those first couple of games in Milwaukee where they were making those shots and and they're like, oh wow, we can make these shots and we actually have the bucks on the ropes here a little bit. Maybe we can make a run out of this thing. And and look, they they only shot thirty percent against the Knicks, and I think a lot of us were wondering if that if that was more of just like a permanent regression team. And they come out against Boston, they're getting the looks that they want, and they're making them. So that shooting is right back where they wanted it to be. Kind of feeding itself, you yeah. know. You, you have the confidence built in over the course of the season through all the struggles. And you keep hearing these players. And I, I mean, we're kind of supposed to be jaded uh, about this team because our job as, as reporters, as professionals, is to cover the team and not necessarily read into all the fun quotes or the, the catchy, cliched expressions that they give us regularly. And yet you, you can't help but really start to believe that they believe that they're buying into everything that has happened I, I over think the course of the season. The, the more and more I cover the NBA, David, like the more I start to buy into that stuff, more and more and more. Like the that, that factor, the intangible, the emotionals, the the confidence, like confidence waning and and rising, and and all that kind of like that stuff really matters. Like it's easy, to, it's easy enough to just be like, find a spreadsheet. This guy's six foot seven and shoot thirty five percent from three point range. Let's put him on the team, right? Like you could do that, but. Um, when a team just has collective belief in itself and that culture stuff, like like I roll my, I, I used to roll my, I've never been like a big like heat culture banging the table guy. I kind of roll my eyes on how much that kind of yeah, gets become, it, it gets played out. It's become a cliche, and it's very much a marketing tactic. But now you you see this group, and like you said, like three out of the four years in the conference finals, and um, there is something to that. And you cover teams that have it. And like really more specifically, when you when you learn about this, is when you cover teams that don't have it. Yeah. And, and then you realize, oh, there's there's something different. And that, by the way, that's not just sports. You can talk about that in any business, right? Yeah. Like businesses that really succeed, they just have a business culture. So like hashtag capital C culture is more of a marketing thing, but like workplace culture is a thing that there's an entire industry of books and podcasts and stuff made about, right? I don't, I don't stuff think it's real. It is almost tangible. Yeah, I don't think they would talk about it as much as they do if it wasn't so tangible, if it wasn't something so real, the shared belief and support in one another. You see veterans like Kyle Lowry, Kevin Love coming off the bench, willing to accept whatever role is necessary. A guy like Caleb would have been in and out of the starting lineup and thriving now, Gabe again. A guy... With and everything. not wasting time complaining to the officials no, and during the game, they're getting it. back on defense. We've they're just playing basketball it. where the Celtics team has just been the opposite. Yes. To me, the biggest thing, yes. and it goes back to what I said earlier, the biggest difference between me, uh, or between the, 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 the Heat being up 3 nothing and, and the Celtics being down 0-3 in this series, it's like 
This is just what these teams are. The Heat are the team that are better prepared, more motivated, playing with more urgency, and the Celtics are not. And it felt like tonight was the night where the Heat sensed an opportunity to basically crush any hopes that the Celtics had, and they did that. All right, last question. I know it's kind of a big one. Do they close it out on Tuesday? I guess we'll find out. I know that you and I will be recapping that game no matter what. Uh, thanks so much for making Lockdown Heat your first listen. You like how I touched that one? Yeah. <laughs> thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Every day is going to be back tomorrow with SI's Brad Nakani to talk about how the Heat uh, turned around their season. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Like us, follow us on your favorite podcast app. David, bring the broom on Tuesday.